0: Hey, thanks for joining us on the Scattered Saints podcast today. We have another amazing sermon from Pastor Brett Esslinger this morning. This one is one you don't want to miss. So why don't you turn up those headphones, turn up those radios, wherever you are, turn it up. Let's sit back and let's uh, glean something from what he has to say today.
1: All right, we're jumping in. This is Genesis chapter 35. Now I'm going to attempt to move through... 14 verses my guess and and maybe we need a running tab i don't know Uh, my guess is maybe i'll get through five uh but we're gonna we're gonna make a great attempt to move through we're looking at a character by the name of jacob now jacob is a significant name later god would change his name to israel he's the father of the nation of israel uh God used him in an incredible way. Now, now Jacob, his original name he means deceiver. He, he, you know, his, That was a little bit of his character, especially in these times your name carried such a significant weight because it would speak to your character, and, and truly he lived up to that. Uh, we want to look at Genesis 35. We're going to dive into it. We're going to look at the origin story, and then we're going to, we're going to pull some principles out for today. This is Genesis 35, verse 1. Uh, God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, And dwell there, make an altar to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Bethel is a significant place. It's actually a significant place in Jacob's life. Uh, life, It used to be called uh, Luz, L-U-Z. So I think Bethel is an upgrade. And and Bethel simply means in Hebrew, uh, house of God. So he says, go to the house of God, arise. Go up to Bethel, to the house of God, and dwell there. He's like, I want you to dwell there. I want you to stay there. Uh, there's this English word that's a great transla- uh, translation to that word that sometimes our language doesn't always capture the original language in Hebrew. And, and it's this English word "terry," which means to linger in expectation. So he's not just saying go to Bethel. He's saying arise, get up right now, go to Bethel and linger there with expectation that God is about to do something. God's about to do something. And can I tell you, my friends, I believe God is about to do something right here, right now, online, around the world. I, you know, we got a testimony this week uh, of, of a brother uh, in Australia. Somebody's watching and this really spoke. Uh, we know that we have uh, friends that are watching from Finland, uh, from South America, from Slovenia, all around the world, wherever you are, my friends, this is a moment. Linger in this moment with expect. With expectation. We're going to linger here with expectation. Uh, I, I don't know about you. Do you ever have household tasks that just seem to take you forever to get done? Uh, for me, uh, that task was changing the outdoor lights on my house. I have two that are right above the garage door, one that's right above our main entrance, and I I, I'm not, I'm not kidding. you. It probably took me two years to change these lights, two years to change these lights. Now they're high, they're up there. I'm like, how do I know what the right light bulb is? I had lots of excuses. I had lots of reasons why I couldn't fix these light bulbs. So it just took me a long time. You know, it, I noticed it in the fall, you know, it's getting darker out. They started to burn out. I'm like, I should probably change those. The, the crazy thing, the rubber hit the road for me when like we host the New Believers Bible study at our house. And it, you know, in fall and in winter, it starts getting really dark and We would send guests from our house out into the darkness to go to their car. And I'm like, man, I should really do something about that. But then I was like, you know what? I'm for it's I, you know it just takes time. And then I was like, it's too cold. It's the middle of winter. And I was like, the ladder's slippery. That's not safe. You know, safety issue. And so I just like I just found every reason. And got into springtime. I'm like, well, you know what? Uh, you yeah, know, I, I should. The nights are getting longer. It's fine. We get into summertime. I'm like, too hot. Can't change. And there's always these just seems to be these things that take us a long time to get to. Why? Because we don't put a priority on them. They're not that important to us. We can actually find all kinds of things to, to jump in and, and, to, and to take a priority spot. Uh, you know, this past June, we lost my grandpa. And I sometimes find myself you know, wishing that we would have one more visit. And I mean, COVID put a wrench in that. Wishing that maybe there'd be one more phone call. One more meal. And sometimes the busyness of life or the pace of our life or little details. Sometimes the things that are important, they just kind of slip away. Not because we meant to. It's the circumstance of life we get caught up in this wave, We get caught up, and we let these important moments kind of slip out of our fingers. And that's where we find Jacob. Uh, If you have a Bible, we're going to turn over to Genesis chapter 28. Now, a little bit of backstory: Jacob is looking to find a wife. His father gave him some instructions on on how to do that, where to go, who to marry, who not to marry. You know, these people are good people; these people aren't. Esau, his brother, who he's been at odds with for a long time, and Jacob literally just stole his birthright for. A bowl of soup, which is kind of an amazing story that you might want to read in Scripture. How we can kind of take what's right in front of us and trade our future for what's right in front of us. Uh, but Jacob, he's he's on his way to find a wife, and he lies down and he has this experience, this dream. In in some ways, we can understand it uh, in theological terms. It's called a nocturnal theophany, where 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 God shows up. And so he has this moment, and he sees this, it's called Jacob's Ladder, and he sees, you know, the people moving up and down from heaven, the glory of God, what looks like a a giant ladder, and he And he wakes up out of this spiritual moment as he's about to, you know, search for a wife and really getting his life started. Kind of a young man, like defining moment. And Jacob, the wheeler and dealer, does what any wheeler and dealer does. He starts to, he begins to bargain with God. He's like, I'm going to make an agreement. Let's get this on in writing. I've had this moment. Let's lock this down. So this is Genesis 28. We're going to start at verse 20. It says, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my Father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a tenth to you. Now, and maybe in Bible language it doesn't sound so much like a wheel or a deal, but have you ever had that moment when you're about to step into an exam uh, in high school, and maybe you have this dream all the time where you didn't study, you didn't prepare, and you step in and just before you go in, you've got you know, your number two pencil sharpened up, ready to go, ready to fill out your multiple choice Scantron sheet. Or maybe I'm just dating myself. Maybe there is no Scantron anymore. I don't know, but you go in to do your multiple choice and you say a simple prayer. You're like, Lord, please bring to my remembrance, everything that I did not study, (laughs) that I learned in my class. And God, if you get, if you help me pass this exam, I will serve you for all the days of my life. And then I will give you a tenth of all the money that I earn. I'm just going to give it to you, God. I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to serve you for all my days. Or maybe you are single and you're like, Lord, if I could just date that person, if you could just give me that relationship, we're going to make beautiful babies together and serve you all the days of our lives. And the truth is God's like, I maybe have a different plan, and a few years later you're like, thank God that didn't work out. Uh, but you you wheel and deal with God. God, if you do this for me, I will do this for you. And that's what Jacob did. If you if you take care of me, if you feed me, if you clothe me, then I'll be your God. It wasn't relational, it was transactional. Because Jacob's a transactional guy. He's he's known for manipulating and turning and making things happened. Have you ever had a moment when you realized that your relationship with God wasn't a relationship at all, but it was a transaction? What can I get? God, what can you give me? And if you give me the good things, I'm going to give you some of it back. Now, Jacob makes this agreement. This is this moment where this place becomes Bethel. We fast forward a number of chapters to Genesis 35, and this God moment happens. God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. It's been a long time, 10 years had passed. A long time had passed since Jacob had been there. You know, just things got in the way. Families got started. Business was to be done. Deals were to be done. Things lingered. Things got in the way. This person who had an experience with God where all of heaven's opened up. You know, sometimes we're like, I just wish God would show up to me in a really like significant way. And I think that would change everything. I just don't know if that's necessarily true. The book of Romans. Let's go to the book of Romans. This is um, Romans chapter 15. Uh, We're going to look at verse 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. We find endurance and we find encouragement through the scriptures. That's where we Get hope. I love it in the New King James Version. It says it like this For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So when we turn it back and we go back to the book here of uh, Genesis, and we begin to dive in to these scriptures. What we understand is that the Old Testament is is there to help us learn. We learn because we we see the different life experiences that people have gone through. We see the way that they interact with God. To see the see the way we connect with God, and we begin to learn that number one, these are people; these are humans. And then we learn that there's there's patterns within humanity. Now, what's incredible uh, if you look at Romans fifteen verse four in the New King James Version, it says that. Uh, Through our patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope. Through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, my friends, can I tell you that you only need comfort when you're in the midst of the uncomfortable. (laughs) You only need comfort when you're in a place of pain. You only need comfort when things are not okay and there's just this, this grating, we turn to the scripture. And we find comfort. Why? Because we know that if if God could be there for Jacob, Jacob was a swindler and a deceiver, and and he was always manipulating. If God could be there for him, then maybe he could be there for me in the the moment of my worst pain. We find hope when we know that there's comfort available, that even in the midst of my pain, I'm gonna make it through. Because if they made it, I can make it. Did you notice the other thing that we find? We find patience. As you begin to unpack biblical narratives, you understand that in the Bible there's large gaps of time that unfold. We begin to understand that, you know, if I'm not dead, I'm not done. I should say, if I'm not dead, God's not done. That we're on this incredible journey, and when we go to the Scripture, we go to God's Word, we can actually find hope through patience, meaning I just need to follow Jesus. Come on, you know this one. We just need to follow him one step at a time. He's going to lead us. He's going to guide us. These stories, these accounts, these records are for our learning. Now, before we go any further, I think I should maybe back you up. So in Genesis 35, uh, we got this cool moment. God says, arise. He speaks like, yes, God speaking to Jacob, meaning if God can speak to him, God can speak to me, even if there's been a gap, even if I didn't live up to the promises that I could never have lived up to when I made them, that God doesn't forget about us. And he said, God said to Jacob, arise, get up, go up to Bethel, go to the house of God, dwell there, linger with expectation. I'm about to do something in your life. Well, do you know why he said that? When we go back just one chapter, we find a heartbreaking Moment. Now there was always tension. Rachel, uh, sorry, Jacob had two wives, Leah and Rachel. See, Rachel was already on my brain. He really loved and wanted Rachel, but Leah's dad and Rachel's dad said, listen, if you're going to have that one, you got to have this one. And I'm just going to say across the generations, if we've learned anything, one wife, one wife is enough. <laughs> You know, it's just, it's more than enough. You just give yourself to to that, be a husband of one woman. And, uh, that's a, that's a good, good thing. But there's all these tensions that are happening. He's got multiple wives, you know, sisters at that, and they're at odds. And Jacob very clearly favored the kids of, of Rachel and, and not so much Leah, but Leah's daughter, Dinah caught the eye of a local prince. Now, Jacob moved his whole family. Uh, He he did this kind of thing where he met his brother Esau, and they... he thought it was going to be this like world war three moment where Esau was going to kill him. And so when he showed up to meet Esau, he started sending ahead his cattle and his property and he sent ahead gifts and then he sent, sent ahead members of his family and he sent, you know, some of his kids for it. And then he sent you know, like Leah and, and then he saved, you know, some of his favorites for last or Rachel and he, and he sent them one at a time now in very, very real terms. He literally prioritized the lives of some of his family over the others because there was a very real chance that Esau was just going to kill all of them. So Jacob is doing this kind of crazy thing where he's hedging his bet and he's sending him forward, but he has this moment with his brother Esau. It's like a restoration moment and and Esau, you know, forgave him and and Esau wanted to establish a relationship with him. Now, if you've been a student of the Bible, and and this is just some background information, uh, and this is good for if you're new or if you're, you know, uh, been on the journey for a while, Sometimes we tend to read Esau as the bad brother, and he definitely did some negative things. But in this part of the journey, Esau wanted to restore and mend that relationship with his brother Jacob. And Jacob couldn't see beyond the transaction. He wanted to make peace so that it was good for business. He didn't want to make peace so that it was good for his relationships, for a loving brother. And so his brother's like let's all go ahead let's let's go meet in this in this town in this community in this place. And Jacob said you know what you go ahead my livestock it's a particular season it's got not good for us to travel. Guess what Jacob did? He never made it. He went to another place to another community, found another town. He crossed the Jordan River, but he never made it to meet Esau. Him and his tribes and his family they settled in a place called Shechem. Now, Shechem, uh, you know, just, I don't know, turn to your neighbor in a socially distanced manner and say Shechem. You know, it's just it's just fun to say, Shechem. Uh, but in Hebrew, Shechem means peace or peaceful. And that's where Jacob decided to settle. He decided to settle in Shechem. And what I find really interesting about that is Jacob was supposed to return home. He was supposed to go with his brother. Eventually, you know, he was at some point in his journey, he was supposed to return to Bethel, to the house of God. But he found another place, you know, grass is always greener. And he found this place called Shechem that represented for him peace and represented for him a place that was peaceful, where he could find comfort or he could find relief. But what we find is Jacob found comfort or he found relief uh, in his own plan instead of in the plans and purposes of God. And so they settle in this town, and in a young uh, uh, prince of this area, he, his dad would kind of rule the area. His name was also Shechem, and you think that's weird until you realize that you named your kid after a city like I did. And then you're like, oh, I guess it's not all that weird. And his name was also Shechem, and he saw Leah's daughter, Dinah. Jacob's daughter as well, and he saw her, and he loved her, and he says, my soul is connected to her, and uh, I mean, I think this right now is kind of a, a trigger warning, uh, just, you know, throwing that out there, uh, maybe earmuffs time. Uh, Shechem took this 14 to 16-year-old girl without her consent, and, you know, things weren't good, and then he kept her, And he sent his dad to try and negotiate. He said, this is, I'm just, my soul's connected to her. I want her as my wife. And Jacob was like, whoa, whoa. He's just reeling. And his sons were so angry. They do this to our sister and you want to make a deal? Dinah's brothers concocted what I think is probably one of the most genius plans that we've ever seen. They said, you can marry our sister, but what you're going to have to do is like, we're you know, we're Israelites and we're all circumcised. So you're all going to have to be circumcised. And then if we do that, then we can all intermarry and we can all be one happy family here in the peaceful land of Shechem. And so they take this deal back and they kind of evaluate it. Now, these are all adult males and they go, yeah, that sounds like a great deal. Let's, let's do that. So the adult males uh, circumcise themselves. They're in all of them, the entire town, the entire community. Anyone who's an eligible, eligible bachelor is like, yeah, sounds like a great deal. Now, these must have been some beautiful daughters that Jacob had. And they're like, let's do this. And when they were, the Bible says, while they were still sore, so they're in recovery mode, Jacob's sons go in and kill every single one of them because they can't fight back because let's be honest, they're sore. And Jacob... goes, what are you doing? He says, you've brought trouble on me by making me stink to the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and the Perizzites. My numbers are few, and if they gather themselves against me and attack me, I shall be destroyed, both I and my household. But they said, should he treat our sister like a prostitute? That's the end of chapter 34. We get to 35 verse 1, and in this crisis moment, God shows up and says, arise. Go to Bethel, go to the house of God, come and linger with expectation to meet me in my house so that I can do something in your life and in your family's life. Isn't it interesting that the very thing that Jacob thought was gonna bring him peace, this shechem, this peaceful place, was ultimately the thing that brought him pain. Hmm. When I think about that, For me. How many times have I settled for the thing that I thought was going to bring me peace? My thing. And I wonder how many times, instead of finding peace or something that is peaceful, that it actually brought us pain. Picking it up in Genesis chapter 35, verse 2. We'll just continue one more verse. Remember, I said I'm going to kind of move through chapter 35. Uh, going to try and get through 14 verses. Probably not going to get there. Verse 2 says, So Jacob said to his household and to all who are with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I, might, so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So God says, hey, come here, come to this place, come and meet me. And I don't know if you you picked this up, but in Verses two and three, it's focusing on this idea. Put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves. Over time, the traditions of the regions where they live begin to creep into their worship. They begin to pick up foreign gods. In fact, what what we discover in scripture earlier is that Rachel actually stole some from her dad and she brought them with her. Even though they were trying to worship the one true God, she couldn't let go of those things that brought her comfort and peace as she started her next journey. Maybe we could think about it like this What are you holding on to from your past that's holding you back from your future? Jacob said, put away these things, change your garments, change your ways, purify yourselves, clean your hearts. What are the things that are sneaking in or have snuck into your life that have become priority? Maybe to help unpack that, we, we can look here. It says, then let us arise and go up to Bethel. This is verse three. So that I can make an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. There's a recognition that God's always been with Jacob. He's like, I, he's, he's been with me everywhere I've been. Now, Jacob hasn't always been in relationship with him, but God was always with him. The same is true for you and the same is true for me. His goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives at Psalm 23. It's a promise that though we weren't always aware that he was with us, God is always with us. He's walking through uh, every season with us, every moment through the peaks and through the valleys. He's not forgetting about us. Though we might forget about him, God has not forgotten about you. My friend, Jesus knows who you are. He knows you by name. He's not forgotten you. He remembers you. He knows you and his heart yearns to be in a relationship with you so he can walk with you through every season. Think about this that Jacob says, I'm gonna go to Bethel, I'm gonna make an altar there to the God who answers me in the day of my distress. Can I ask you this question? Where do you go in the day of your distress? Where do you turn? Do you turn to a bottle? Substance? Do you turn to a person, a bad relationship? Do you turn to a relationship outside of your marriage because you feel stuck or trapped? Where do you turn? Maybe you turn inwards. Maybe you do the scroll on Instagram and look at all the amazing places that you'll be able to travel to. Once COVID lifts, because all you really want to do is get out of here. Where do you turn in the day of your distress? Maybe you're introspective and reflective, but you just hold on. You hold on to the pain. You hold on to the hurt. And that hurt starts turning and it turns into anger and you hold on to it because the anger makes you feel strong. It makes you feel powerful. It makes you feel like, (laughs) it makes you feel like anything, nothing's going to hurt you again. Maybe you look inside and you just hold on and you say, I feel strength in my anger and I don't want to let go of it. But my friend, the book of Hebrews tells us that eventually that anger will turn into the root of bitterness And it's going to not only destroy your life, but it's going to destroy the lives of those who are around you. Where do you go in the day of your distress? Where do you go when you're hurting? My friends, maybe we can learn this from Jacob. This is all for our learning. In the midst of our pain, in the midst of our distress, in the midst of not knowing where to go, we can always turn to Jesus. He wants to be with you. Now, did you notice this in verse five? And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. When you're journeying towards Jesus, there is a grace that can come that will help you move from season to season a protection on you and on your family as you move towards the good things that God Has for you. Maybe you feel like there's no way out. Maybe you feel stuck. Maybe you feel trapped. I can tell you, my friends, Jesus is making a way where there is no way. So maybe I'll ask you again what are you holding on to from your past that's holding you back from your future? So Jacob is known for what's called his nocturnal theophanies. Uh, He had these two moments where he had incredible encounters with God in the middle of the night. And there's another word, it's also called Christophany. Jacob had this moment where he wrestled, wrestled with God. Where This is a moment where Jesus shows up in the Old Testament. He shows up in the middle of the night and they they wrestle it through. I know you might be in a season of wrestling but I want to let you know that Jesus is near at night (laughs) that it might feel like a dark night of your soul, it might feel like a difficult time, a difficult season but Jesus is near, he's near at night and he wants to show up with you to you, be around you and your family and connect with you Jesus is near at night. So today, if, uh, if you're here and you're watching and you're with us and you wanna make a decision to follow Jesus, and If you're on chat right now, just jump into chat. Just type the word Jesus. There's also a link that's about to appear. If you're on Church Online, there's a link that's about to appear. Click that button. Uh, if you're on Facebook, just write in the word Jesus. Click that button. You could also text the word Jesus to 587 400 We want to help you take that next step. I, I can tell you it's the best decision that you'll ever make. Now, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you just feel this darkness same thing is true Jesus is near at night sometimes because other things take priority we've slipped Jesus back to a transaction hey he takes my sins away and I can just live my life and I'm gonna go to a place that I think looks peaceful might not be the place that he promised or the place that he purposed but it's gonna work my friend This is your moment to bring your heart and your life into alignment to let go of the things of your past that are clouding you to let go of the anger, to put down the bottle, to stop having that relationship on the side. This is your moment to focus in on Jesus because Jesus is near at night. Now, if you're taking this step for the first time. I'm gonna pray with you in just a moment. We're all gonna say this together. You can repeat after me, but if if this is you here, you say, I, I've been around Jesus for a while. Things just got out of whack. I wanna pray for you first. Come on, can we pray together? Jesus, I pray for my friends, my friends who are wrestling right now, friends who feel like they're in a night season and a darkness season, who, who feel the anger rising, uh, the sadness lingering, Lord, it even feels like this thing that's just like brooding over them. But God, at the very beginning of time, so that your Holy Spirit was brooding. And I just pray that you would come and brood with your hope and your life over our lives. And God, as we let go of our things, so take that thing right now and just make a fist. Put that thing that you've been holding on to from your past that's holding you back from your future. Just hold it in your fist, and now just let it go and say, Jesus, I'm giving it to you. I'm letting go of my past. I'm holding on to you. I'm holding on to my future and you're going to pull me up and you're going to pull me out and you're going to pull me forward. We thank you, Jesus. We hold on to you. Not our own ideas, not our own thoughts, not going to a place that we think is right, but we're going to walk with you one step at a time. Amen. Come on, now, if you want to make that decision to follow Jesus, I want to pray for you as well. Come on, we're all in this together. Say this loud, say it proud. Just repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I need you now more than ever. So I give you everything. My wins and my losses, my sins and my successes. Forgive me of my sin. I want to follow you one step at a time. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, from house to house, from home to home, all across the Edmonton area, all across Canada, all across North America, across the globe, from house to house, country to country. Come on, let's lift up a shout. Clap your hands. You're making the best decision that you could ever make. Don't forget, you can text the word JESUS to 587-400-2010. We want to take that next step with you. This is the best decision that you could have ever made.
0: Hey, thanks for joining us today. My name is Seb, and you're listening to the Scattered Saints Podcast. You can hear our podcast every single week at the same place, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, continue downloading and listening to them. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, if you'd like to meet us in person, if you'd like to come to church in person, you can head to scatteredsaints.ca, and you can find out more information about our various locations there. We would love to see you. We would love to meet you. And hey, if you do come in person, why don't you say, I heard your podcast and I just wanted to see what you looked like. Thanks for joining us today on Scatter Sands Podcast. We'll see you next time.